I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the New Testament book of Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 25, beginning at verse 1. Matthew, chapter 25, beginning at verse 1, where Jesus says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. Weddings have always been big events. Big events even in biblical times, big events today. And even with COVID over the last month, I have had the privilege of celebrating three different weddings with different people from our congregation. And, and I will just tell you, I love being a part of a wedding with a couple. I enjoy the premarital work that we do ahead of time. We get to know each other well. We have conversations together. We build relationships. We build bonds. And on the day of the wedding, I can feel the emotions myself. It's a big event for the family. It's a sacred time together with the friends' weddings. But in biblical times, they may even have been a little bigger than they are for us today, as hard as that may be to imagine. One of the reasons was, in biblical times, weddings were the social event sometimes of the whole year. We have a lot of things we can do socially in our lives and we have entertainment options, but in biblical times, a wedding was something that the whole community would get excited about. Oh, the wedding's almost here. The wedding's getting closer. It, it was a great time. It was so important that the wedding party was actually relieved from their religious responsibilities in order to take care of the wedding. Rabbis were freed from their time of study to be able to celebrate the wedding. 
And there wasn't a honeymoon like a lot of times now we have the wedding and pretty soon we wave goodbye and the couple heads off to enjoy their honeymoon in biblical times. Oh no, the festivities were at the home for the next week. Imagine that, the wedding party and guests come to your home and you celebrate the wedding and it's a week-long event where people are having festivities, they're eating a feast together, they're having times of dancing and laughing and sharing. It was a great time. And one of the ways the wedding got started was that the bridegroom would go to the bride's house at an unknown hour. You would know this is the time of the wedding. The wedding's closed, but it wasn't a set time. It's going to be at 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, whatever the time. The bridegroom would show up, and part of the, the excitement was the anticipation of, when is he coming? Is he coming? Does anybody see him? Anything yet? And the bridegroom would come and take the bride to the home and there the family would follow along with the parade and the procession and the festivities would all begin. That is the context of the parable that Jesus just told. A parable is a story that has an underlying meaning. It's a multi-level story. Here's the basic gist. Here's the deeper meaning. Jesus tells us the story, the parable that there was a wedding going on. There were 10 young ladies who were excited about the possibility and of being part of the wedding, to be a part of the celebration, looking forward to the week of the festivities and all that was going on. We're told that five of them were foolish, though. Five were wise. Now, when you look at the Greek word for foolish, it's actually the Greek word morose. It, it's a word that means dull, it means stupid, it means silly. Now, there are derivatives of that word that in our culture today have become an insult, so we don't use them, but, but this word was a way of saying these are people who, who didn't plan well. There were five who didn't think through what was really happening here or the possibilities. And five were wise. That's why Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of the scripture in the message, says there were five that were silly, five that were smart. Or N.T. Wright, the great biblical scholar at Oxford University, he says that there were five who were silly and five who were sensible. Obviously, the contrast is being made, and we're about to find out why. We're told that the wise had brought their lamps and just in case brought flasks of extra oil. But the five who were foolish, who were silly, well, they were not prepared for the delay. They just assumed, now the bridegroom will probably come at around this time. We should be fine. We'll be okay. They didn't bring any extra oil. The bridegroom is delayed. And all of a sudden, they start running out. We're told that the bridegroom shows up at midnight. I mean... That's not out of line, but it's very unexpected. I mean, midnight, that's a late time for the bridegroom to come. It's a delay from 
what was expected. And so as a result, all of a sudden at midnight, there's this announcement. Hey, look, here he comes. Everybody get ready for the wedding. And they start trimming their lamps. And the five silly ones, the foolish ones, realize our lamps are going out. We're out of oil. In panic, they look over to the five who are wise and are going, quick, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the wise are, well, wise. And they went, we can't do that. If we give you some of our oil, then we're all going to run out. We can't do that. You're going to have to go buy some. And, and so the five who were silly, foolish, well, they have to go out at midnight. Now catch that. Biblical times. Going out at midnight trying to find a merchant who can sell them oil for their lamps. And while they're gone, the bridegroom comes, the five who were wise join in with the procession and the party and the singing and the dancing and the celebration. They go into the house and the door is shut. Well, at some point later, the five who were foolish or silly... They show up, start banging on the door, let us in, let us in, let us in. And it's too late. The door's already been shut. But the devastating thing, I think, is what the bridegroom says. I've read this scripture many, many times, and we tend to focus on the fact that the door was shut and it was too late, which is the point of the story, a large point of the story. But when I read this story, the devastating thing is that the bridegroom, as they're knocking, looks out, sees them, and he says, very truly, in all honesty, I don't even know you. Wow. I mean, the bridegroom looks out at them and goes, you're, you're not even part of us. I don't know who you are. And so then there's the admonition. You need to watch and be ready and pay attention. So obviously there's a deeper meaning to this story. Jesus wasn't just saying, so hey, if you go to a wedding, make sure you got some oil with you. That's not the point. Jesus is telling a deeper story. Obviously, Jesus himself is the bridegroom. And he will be returning someday. And the question is, will we be ready for the return and for the fullness of God's kingdom to be established? Will we be ready? And Matthew is telling the story almost 50 years later, somewhere around 50 years later. So Matthew is now dealing with a church. And he's telling the church as he writes this gospel according to Matthew, the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to Matthew, as he's telling the story, he's writing to a church almost 50 years after Jesus has ascended into heaven. So as a result of this, they've been expecting the return of Jesus, but he didn't come back this year. And then another year goes by and another and another, and now we're 50 years in. And, and, and it's very clear that the church is beginning to struggle with the delay of Christ. I, I would have thought he would have been here by now. I would have thought that the bridegroom would have come to take on the church, the bride of Christ, and, and we would be celebrating the fullness of the kingdom of God, and the party would be going, the heavenly banquet would be going. I'm just surprised that it's taken so long. 
If you read the Apostle Paul, for example, Paul actually believed that he would be alive at the time of the return of Christ. It's in his later writings as Paul begins to realize, you know, I may not be alive when Jesus returns. And this delay had forced the church to wrestle not only with getting ready and being ready for the return of Christ, but what do we do in the meantime? What do we do during this delay? And Jesus wraps it up and says, so watch. Keep awake. Be disciplined. Continue to grow. Just be prepared at all times. Now, if we do the jump to where we are today, to our time, I mean, we're now a couple thousand years in, and it's easy for the contemporary church to begin just to to not really be prepared or think, what will it be like with the return of Christ? Or what will it be like when the fullness of God's kingdom is is established? We we can begin to take it lightly. We, We can begin to relax and perhaps get a little foolish little silly, not be prepared, not have flask of oil for our spiritual lamps. Or we can focus on the wrong things, which is one of the things that I think we see happen a lot of times. And, and if you turn on the TV late at night, sometimes you'll, you'll hear pastors that are focusing on trying to predict exactly the return of Jesus. That's not what he said to do either. He didn't say, now, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to, to predict exactly when I'm returning. <laughs> Actually, Jesus said, you will not know the day nor the hour. But there are many of us who go, I'm not sure, Jesus, I think I can prove you wrong on that. And we pull out our maps and we start all this stuff. That's not what our focus is to be about. It's not that. Or sometimes when we think about the return of Christ, it comes across as a very negative kind of thing. Like, you know, are you ready? Because the time's going to come and there's going to be a judgment. And, and all of a sudden it sounds like a horror story that, that Jesus is coming back. I mean, you would think that if the one who so loved us that he would die for us is returning, that would be good news that we'd be excited about. But sometimes when we hear that preached and taught, you would think that 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 it's going to be this horrific event for the church, the body of Christ. It's to be an exciting time. So the the call here is to be prepared, to be ready, to, to be wise, to have oil in our lamps, to be able to celebrate then when God comes to set up the fullness of His kingdom and the heavenly banquet is prepared for all of us and and we get to enjoy the the celebration and the festivities and the life. Dr. Fred Craddock, who was my preaching professor at Emory University and an amazing New Testament scholar and preacher, he says that it's not the coming of the bridegroom that makes some wise and makes some foolish. The coming of the bridegroom merely reveals who is wise and who is foolish. So the question for us is, are we wise? Are we just a little bit silly? A little bit foolish? You see, the foolish had not prepared and had the extra oil. They they appear maybe 
just to want to go to the party? Maybe not even in a relationship with the bridegroom to where they really knew each other. Just, I just want in. If I can just get in. The wise, they had acquired the oil. They had the extra oil. And they had a relationship with the bridegroom. You see, I think to have the oil and be prepared, when I read the scripture... And I hear Jesus say, truly, I tell you, sadly, honestly, I just have to say, I don't know you. That what it means to have oil, which is often debated, but what I think it means to have oil means to have a relationship with the bridegroom. Do we even know him? Does he know us? I mean, catch this. It was it was not just the head of the household. It was not just, you know, someone who was at the party that looked out and said, I don't know who you are. It was the bridegroom himself, which means for us as the church, that's Jesus himself. And I can't imagine the heartbreak that Jesus would have if he loved us enough and knew us by name and loved us enough to die for us that we could be forgiven for our sins, to rise for us that we could have everlasting life, knows the hair on our heads. I mean, think about how God really does know you, but for God then to look at us and go, I don't know you. Which doesn't, I don't think, mean that God doesn't know who we are. I think it's God saying, you've chosen not to know me. We, we, don't, we don't have a relationship. We're not together. I, I can't imagine the tears that would flow down Jesus' face to have to look at someone and say, I don't think you really know me. When we're told very clearly that God is not willing that any should perish. I mean, God wants all of us to be part of the wedding party in the kingdom. And Jesus had warned about that earlier. If you turn back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. See, this does not mean that God doesn't know who you are. What it means, though, is, is have you chosen to know who God is? To know who Jesus Christ is for you and have you started that relationship? Do you have a personal relationship with the bridegroom? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? To be ready for the bridegroom to come to the wedding, I think the first step would be to introduce yourself to the bridegroom and to form a relationship with him. 
I think to have the oil means that we grow in that relationship with him as well to where in this meantime where we're waiting, are we acquiring the oil? Are we building the relationship? Relationships take work and it, it takes some time to develop. My wife and I were married when we were 20 years old. So what does that mean? We've been married like 20 years now. I mean, we've been married a long time. We, we know each other well. We can finish each other's thoughts. Our kids roll their eyes because we'll say the same thing at the same time. Or, don't know how many times I'll be talking to one of them, they go, yeah, I just talked to mom, she said the exact same thing. <laughs> we know each other. A relationship has been built. That's adding oil for your lamp. And your relationship with Jesus Christ, it's, it's spending time with Him. John Wesley talked about it being the means of grace that we study the Scripture so that we learn more about Jesus Christ so maybe we could finish each other's sentences, that we spend daily prayer time and conversation with God where we're actually talking to one another. And prayer is talking to God, but sometimes just being quiet and allowing God to speak and move us. And worship, which is what we're doing now, where we join together as the body of Christ and we're reminded who our God is and we, we grow in our faith. We praise God and feel the presence and power of His Holy Spirit. The sacraments when we share together in the body and blood of Christ. And we share together in the beautiful sacrament of baptism, acknowledging that we're children of God and, and just Christian fellowship, being with other Christians. Wesley says that's a good way to, to add oil in your flask. That's a good way to, to grow so that when the bridegroom comes, you're ready. You see, meeting the bridegroom, it's... It's a joyous thing. Uh, I, I find it interesting. So many people are caught up on predicting when will that occur. But there are many who, you know, every day go to meet the Lord. I, I've never understood why I'm so caught up and when exactly he's going to return. Because I don't know when I'm going there either. That's not the point. The point is the relationship. The point is the relationship. And when I think about the return of Christ, I think it's sad that for some people, when they think of the return of Christ, instead of it being an exciting, joyful experience to finally get to meet and to know the one who loved us and gave his life for us, that it creates fear and anxiety. It's not about fear and anxiety. It's about getting to meet the one who loves you more than anyone else in the world. And it would break his heart for you to miss the party because you don't have a relationship with him and your oil is empty. So I ask you, is there oil in your lamp? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where you know the bridegroom we're hearing that he's coming is one of the most exciting things because now you get to celebrate in the party. Or will it create panic to where you're thinking, oh my goodness, I need to go get prepared. You can be prepared right now. Will you pray with me? 
God, we're so grateful for your love and grace. And God, we, we look forward to the wedding day. We're grateful that we experience taste of the kingdom of God right now in our lives. You are in our midst right now. You're a part of our lives right now. But we also look for the day when you will return and set up the fullness of your kingdom or when we will go to meet you ourselves. But God, we pray that you would never have to look at us and with tears in your eyes say, I, I just have to be honest. I don't know you. Which really means that we never took the time to get to know you, to give our lives to you, to become your children. And God, you loved us enough. You loved us so much that you came to live among us, to teach us of your love and your kingdom, to give your life for us that we can be forgiven for our sins and brokenness, that we can be healed and we can be restored. You rose that we can have everlasting life with you in the fullness of your kingdom, celebrating at your heavenly banquet, sharing in the wedding party when the bride of Christ comes to marry the church. And God, we just pray that we would now be ready because we know you. There's oil in our lamps. We're growing in our faith. We're growing in our relationship with you. And we look forward to the day that we join the procession and feast at your heavenly banquet through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.